Welcome to Southern Fried Fantasy, a podcast for readers and writers, where Southern authors talk about books set in the region they call home. Book lovers beware, your TBR pile is about to get taller than high cotton. Right. Welcome back to another episode of Southern Fried Fantasy. I'm your host, Bob Magoo of Tales by Bob. And this week, I am super excited to have on Kenzie Kelly. Uh, she is an author that uh, is, I'm very excited to say, is the first uh, person I've got to interview on here that is from my home state of Alabama. Wow. So, uh, Kenzie, why don't we start off by you telling us a little bit about yourself and kind of, uh, you know, your ties to the South? Well, I grew up in Alabama and my family has owned um, land in the rural lower Alabama area um, for many, many generations. And my dad actually lives there now and we have quite a spread over there kind of halfway between Columbus, Georgia, and Montgomery. Okay. So, you know, I grew up around cows and and almost dying in uh, corn silos and, you know, all that good dangerous stuff you get to do when you grow up on a farm. Yeah, yeah. So now I'm currently living in northeast northeast of Atlanta, um, which is not my favorite. It's a little (laughs) too urban for me. Yeah. Um, it'll do for now. Yeah. <laughs> I can. Oh yeah. No, I'm, uh, I'm just North of Montgomery currently and I'm from, uh, about an hour South of, uh, uh, Montgomery. And, uh, yeah, I, I I'm, I'm familiar with the region pretty well. And, uh, yeah, a lot of farms, a lot of farms. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, I had, uh, I had some good friends that were in the like Salem community, um, <laughs> kind of in that region and uh yeah it's uh it's real rural <laughs> yeah. yeah it is it is i like to tell people that my dad lives five miles down a dirt road and uh so just going to get the mail every day is an adventure oh yeah uh, yeah because you got to go out to the paved road to get to the mailbox so. yeah <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah no i i know that struggle uh i definitely uh uh, I, I've done more than my fair share of, share of living on dirt roads. Oh, yeah. uh, the, 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 the struggle of, uh, you know, the county has to come through and grade it every so often and they'll come through and grade it. And now you're dealing with, uh, you know, loose rocks flying everywhere. And uh, uh, it's a wonder yeah. that anyone has any windshields intact. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you're lucky if the county grades your dirt roads because we have to do our own. <laughs> well, that that's that. Yeah, they, they would you know, they would grade the road they're responsible for. But like where uh, where my family lived, uh, our driveway was, I'd say, probably a half mile. Um, and yeah, all, all that we were responsible for grading. Luckily had a, you know, an uncle who lived right up the road with a tractor who would grade it for us. Um, so, uh, Oh, Oh, the struggles. Yeah. 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 So, um, so let's kind of dive in and, uh, talk about your books. And so, 
you have a number of books out. Um, and so, but I'd like to focus on Whiskey Neat. Right. Uh, yeah. That's that, my fantasy series, and that's the one that's set. That's my ode of love to the deep rural South. Yeah, uh, I, we'll definitely talk about the others, but this is the one I really want to hone in on. So why don't you tell us a, a little bit about it? I kind of go a little more in depth on Whiskey Neat. And then, you know, tell us about the other stuff you've written, because just because it's not set in the South doesn't mean they're not worth reading. It's just not the focus of this podcast. So Right, right. Well, Whiskey Neat's been in the back of my mind excuse me, for a while. The, the idea of, you know, setting an urban fantasy in a rural location um, ha- has been around for a while, at least for me. And I finally got time and the inclination and the the plot, you know, fairies to flesh it out and really make it a reality. And it was so much fun to write and it's been received really well. And um, luckily, nobody that knows how heavily I drew from uh, the region where I'm from's past has contacted me (laughs) and said, hey, you know, this is not cool for you to mention. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, all in all, I think it's turned out really well. I I really, really like this one. Yeah. 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 I'm looking forward to reading it. It's, it's on my TBR pile, but uh, that, that pile grows ever larger and my, my uh, available time grows ever shorter. So I will, I will get to it because it's like, it's one of those things, like I I really want to support all the writers that are operating in kind of the same space as me. Uh-huh. But I especially want to to show the love to the ones that are from my state. Damn right. it, you know, like, yeah. come on. Uh, Alabama has such a kind of a negative reputation overall. Yeah. But I mean, you know, this is the state that brought, you know, To Kill a Mockingbird, you know. Right. Yeah. So That's our, our- wanted to, to write this and wanted to set it, you know, in Alabama is because we sort of get, uh, we get the people who think we're backwoods hicks, but they love sort of the culture of the South. And they don't understand that the people are the ones who are driving that culture. You know, they like the laid back, the sweet tea, the, you know, front porch rocking chairs, helping your neighbors, being, you know, courteous in the hospitality. But then they'll turn around and talk about how, you know, ignorant and um, backwoods the residents are without realizing that they're putting down the very source of what they hold in high esteem. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a real uh, disconnect out there. Yeah, really um, it's like idolizing the values and then not acknowledging the the people that hold the values, you know. Right, right. The those values. Yeah. Uh, I remember quite vividly a friend of mine in high school who moved down from Chicago saying that when she was told they were moving to Alabama, she thought that they would be taking tractors to school. And oh, wow. I mean, this was in the late 80s, so it's not like we were <laughs> taking yeah. tractors school so um yeah it's it's interesting uh to be from the south and have these different views showcased throughout your life yeah and that's definitely something that i'm trying to do with this podcast is one to show hey they there there are smart people writing books down here um (laughs) you know don't just write us off but the other thing is like kind of showing how the the south is painted 
kind of universally, you know, in like the same brush, but every region of the South is very different from the other. Like, sure, there's some threads that, you know, unite us, but, you know, the low country of South Carolina is very different from, you know, rural backwoods Alabama. That's very true. That's very true. And I've always said that, you know, if you're going to say you're from the South, you should be from either Georgia, Alabama, or Mississippi, because, you know, Florida is a completely different animal. Louisiana is a completely different animal. (laughs) And, you know, these different regions all have different um, aspects that make them unique and to lump everyone into one umbrella of the south is just kind of um you know misleading and and misidentifying what really makes up you know this region down here oh definitely so what building on that what is an element of southern culture that you really wanted to showcase in whiskey neat and kind of how did you go about that Um, I think it really is the family aspect of uh, what a small town can be. Um, You know, yes, you do know everything about your neighbors and uh, the rumor mill is very active and swift. Um, And I think that's, you know, one of the things that I really showcased in Whiskey Neat is that, you know, you come to your neighbor's aid you know everything about them from the bad cousin who lives, you know, in town to <laughs> the people you need to watch out for out on Route 82, you know, and yeah. um, to, to the, the grandmotherly types that everyone checks up on, you know, and make sure they're getting enough to eat and that they're getting out and being able to go places. And I think that that's, you know, really that's the feel of, um, you know, small town South life that isn't, you know, necessarily highlighted in the best possible way in a lot (laughs) of ways that's out there. Well, I know just coming from, you know, very rural area, you know, family name really, you know, for good and ill really matters there. Um, You are, uh, if someone hasn't met you, uh, before, but you give them your last name, they probably have an impression of you from that moment on, just from interactions with your family. And, you know, these, these are reputations that are built over generations, you know, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. and uh, it, 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 it gets wonky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm, when my mother, who was from Birmingham, uh, first met my dad's family, they asked who her people were. Yeah. And, um, you know, they didn't know because she was from up north. <laughs> yeah, yeah, way way up north in Birmingham. <laughs> yeah, so you know, it does. It really depends on you know who you are. Your family's reputation is a huge thing, and people do a lot to protect that, um, yeah. for good or bad. Yeah, and that's it's definitely. Uh, there's definitely a dark undercurrent to it all. You know, because there is such a import put on reputation and people will do shady things to, to maintain that reputation, you know, yeah. uh, and, you know, just they're quick to ostracize if you don't, you know, if, if you're the black sheep of the family, you are, you can be especially black sheep, <laughs> I guess you could say. Yeah. 
Yeah, because um, they they'll <laughs> yeah yeah they'll be quick to quick to disown you and make it very clear to the community at large that this person is other you know um so but you know the flip side of that is uh you know i uh as uh in my early 30s i moved back to my hometown and i had been away for a long time but you know i'd pop in for a visit to see my folks but hadn't really been a part of the community for uh over a decade really and uh people were quick to you know embrace me and and lend a hand you know um Mm -hmm. but i could tell that there was an element of well he he's he's been outside (laughs) but let let let, let's see how that's influenced him you know there was there was help but there was also reservation until they kind of got a feel for uh who i was now yeah yeah so it may have changed a little too much for us. So let's yeah. just have judgment for a little bit. Oh yeah, which yeah. I had, which I, I very much had. <laughs> right. yeah. Most people so, do. <laughs> yeah. So and it was very much I uh I didn't really fit anymore. Um uh and so I, I spent very little time there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's so, unique because I say, you know, everybody who grows up in a small town wants to leave. That is their number one objective is to get out and the irony is that now you know we're seeing an influx of you know very um high up wealthy people from urban areas who want to come into the rural south and yeah you know have either a little gentleman's farm or you know participate with a hunting club for the elite And they want to, you know, sort of play at being yeah. part of the area, you know. And, and so I think that that's just kind of funny to see that so many people want to get out, but then there's so many people wanting to come in as well. Right. Oh, yeah. No, I can I can attest to that where the, you know, the home I grew up in um, within a and this is very, very middle of nowhere, uh, South Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh and within uh, five miles of that that house, uh, a lawyer from Birmingham bought mm-hmm. a bought a, bought a play farm essentially, mm-hmm. and uh, we actually leased a large uh, section of our land to a bunch of uh, uh, Cajun hunters. You know, yeah. and you know every every deer season we we had an influx of uh, folks from South Louisiana in the community you know, coming, coming to hunt. Yeah. So I can, I can. Yeah. The population I, definitely swells in the County where I'm from during hunting season for deer. Um, you know, there's several large um, outfits that are just nothing but, you know, hunting yeah. places where people come and I can't think of the word right now, but they uh, outfits where they take them out and they set yeah. them in a Stand and and leave them in the morning and come back and get them in the afternoon. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, so it, it's definitely and like me. That said, I, I did really enjoy uh, moving back home for that that window to get kind of you know a refresher and like yeah. mostly I I really just liked being back out in the country. That was the real draw. Um, yeah. I could have moved to any rural area and would have been uh, equally happy. I feel, but just it it's definitely things move at a different pace. Oh, yes. 
yeah, it's, it's a very much slower um, way of life for yeah. sure. Oh yeah. So uh, that touching on, you, you mentioned earlier how that you've worked in, a, you worked in a, a lot of kind of like the history of your community into this book. So I wanted to ask, it's kind of the, you know, the cliche question of where do you get your ideas, but where, how I kind of like to frame it is it's less, where do you get your ideas and more, do you draw heavily on your own life or do you try and keep, keep a strong separation there? Uh, just kind of looking at it from that perspective. Um, I'm true heavily on the verbal history of the area. As far as, you know, the personalities and the goings on in the community, um, and even down to sort of the map uh, that I created for my fictional town and the way it's run, it, I did. I took a lot from, you know, what I knew already to be uh, truthful about that area. And, you know, just some local color injected here and there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think if you're from that type of environment, it is easy to come up with people who would fit that type of environment yeah um, so the characters are very or at least to me I hope that they are very true to that area and that people who would read it and be from you know the rural south will go oh yeah I know that person you know <laughs> I know where they are you know in my yeah. town it's you know Billy Joe down the road or whatever um so yeah I did I, I really did take a lot from yeah society. <laughs> So how so how did that differ? Your your primary series is uh, sci-fi, correct? Yeah, I have actually four working series. I have a science fiction romance, a paranormal romance, and a fantasy romance, and then the urban fantasy um, of Whiskey Neat. Yeah. So yeah, it's the primary one is is the sci-fi, um, but you know the others are sort of labors of love. Yeah. Especially whiskey. So yeah. So with, so I assume your other series not having that, uh, I guess, real world setting, um, uh, less of your own life kind of comes into those, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, less. Um, although I do sneak in um, a couple of like, a couple of the heroines in the fantasy romance series are from Alabama um, oh, or other yeah. areas in the South. So I'll sneak it in every once in a while. yeah. <laughs> a little cameo yeah yeah but for the most part no unfortunately and I think that's one of the reasons why I so enjoyed writing Whiskey Meat and, yeah. and herself because it's such an immersion um and it gives me such a feeling of home um that it, it was really it was a very good breather from yeah. having to make my brain work so hard at the other plot lines that I have to come up with from scratch, you know, from nowhere. Yeah, right. So uh, I like to ask, uh, do you use anything uh, supernatural from Southern folklore in Whiskey Neat or like anything kind of more specific to Southern folklore or do you just kind of draw on like maybe world mythology? Like kind of what's the, the origin of your supernatural? I think it's more just a general world mythology um you know I, I don't think there's anything specific to southern folklore that I've touched on so far um 
you know, it may come later in the series, but for right now, it's just your usual werewolves and vampires. Yeah. And, and hey. Magic and cursed objects. <laughs> Absolutely um, nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, there's, a, there's a reason that that is as popular as it is. <laughs> uh, so uh, kind of, I, I like to dive in. It's, uh, I definitely want this to be a podcast that appeals to writers as well. So I like to talk about kind of uh, the, the people I interview, their method. So let's, let's touch on that a bit. Um, would you say you're more of a plotter or more of a pantser? I, I think I'm smack. Well, I'm more on the pantser side of planter. So yeah. I will, I kind of am an, a very intuitive writer. And um, I don't know if you know Becca Syme, but she just came out with one of her QuickBook series on being an intuitive writer. And it just, it really hit me in all the right places. Um, so what I usually do is I will tell myself the story, kind of like summarizing a movie to a friend. Mm-hmm. And then I make a scene list from that and see where I need to flesh out a little bit and, you know, where some things probably aren't going to work as well as I hope they will. And then from there, the story usually takes off on its own and I have Mm -hmm. no control over that shit. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) It will go where it decides on going. And sometimes I kind of rein it in and pull it back and say, no, you know, you really do need to go in this other direction. Yeah. Um, but sometimes I'll just go with it. And yeah. I end up being a very short writer. Um, I was a copy writer in my mm-hmm. former life. <laughs> yeah. Um, advertising copy. Yeah. So I'm used to having to get a lot across and a very small amount of words. So my stories generally end up being anywhere from 40 to 65,000 words. So not just yeah. huge. And sort of below industry standards. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that, that. That's what I do. Uh, all my books are between fifty and sixty thousand words. Um, yeah. And so and I, I think it works. You know, for yeah. a series um, like mine, I think it works really well. I've had a couple of beta readers who told me, you know, I kept wanting a breather. I kept wanting things to slow down and let me catch <laughs> my breath, and it never did. And I'm like, well, yeah. that's good. That's what I want. <laughs> yeah. Mine is kind of the opposite of that. Uh, my my main character is such a screw up that uh, no one would trust him with anything that important. So uh, it, all, all his mysteries that he's solving are uh, on the shorter side because it's just, you know, the, the, the fate of the world is not, unlike your book, the, the fate of the world is not at stake here. It's more, <laughs> hey, uh, we just saw something weird. Could you go take a look at that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I, I like it. He's doing great. I have yeah. I started on your first book. and Oh, thank you. Um, you know, as you said, the to be read list is way longer than the yeah. time I have to read. So I'm, I'm not through it yet, but it is, it is great work. I love it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, all right. So let's say one of someone listening here, uh, they may be struggling with getting into uh, writing, you know, kind of thinking about publishing. What is some, some advice that you would like to give that person? Um, the greatest advice I ever got was to stop editing as you go. Yes. You just need to get through that first book. If you can stop going back and nitpicking 
and get through that first rough draft. I know it sounds crazy, but once you finish a book, the next one comes easier. And then one after that, and the one after that. And you'll get every now and again, it's usually my third or fourth book in a series that is just a pain to get out. But once they're out, you realize, oh, hey, yeah, it really is not as bad as I thought it was. And it's good. Um, But getting that book done, that, you know, it took me, what, like 35, 38 years (laughs) (laughs) to get that first book finished and out into the world and um, the rest have come easier. So you you cannot stop. Just keep going until you hit the end and then then you can go back and look over. Yeah. Well, I know I, I, I have interviewed people that they, they edit as they go. And if, if you edit as you go and you're getting books out, fine, do, do what works for you. But I, I can say uh, 95% of people that I've talked to editing as they go um, don't ever finish. Uh, They, and and here's the other, to me, I'm lazy, you know? (laughs) And, uh, and so I don't uh, editing as you go. What if two chapters, like, you know, what if you spend hours getting this chapter just perfect? And then three chapters later, you realize you're just going to have to cut that chapter. You've wasted all that time, you know, because you never know where the story is going to take you, what, what's going to have to change. Um, So, yeah, no, I 100%. uh, the, The most I'll do is typically what I do is when I'm starting a writing session, I scroll up about two or 300 words and just read that to get me yeah. back in the mindset. And yeah, if there's something super glaring there, you know, like I, you know, use the same word five times in a paragraph, then yeah, I, I may fix that. Um, yeah. But really and truly it's, I just do that just to get back in the mindset. Yeah. And the only other thing um, probably is just to try everything and throw out what doesn't work and keep what works because what works for one person is not gonna maybe work for you and you know if you if you listen to everyone who is saying oh to write fast you have to write a detailed outline or to um, be successful in publishing you have to rapid release you'll never get anywhere because if that's not the way that you're set up to create, then that's just going to present blocks for you yeah. that you're going to have to stumble over. So, you know, take the advice, try it. If it works, awesome. If not, you know, pitch it out and try something different. Yeah. Oh, no, 100%. Every person I interview has a different method, you know, and everyone I interview is a published author. So you just got to find your path, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. So- so uh i have a background in music uh I, I i got a degree in music industry and uh so because of that music is one of my great passions i always love to ask do you play music when you write and if so what i think the people who can listen to music while they're creating something else are uh-huh. magical 
Um, I think Love that it. some sort of wizardry that uh, just allows you to focus on more than one thing at a time. I cannot do it. it yeah. I mean, I pretty much have to have complete silence. <laughs> yeah. You know, to be able to watch the movie that's happening in my brain and get it through my brain, down my arms and onto the keyboard, I can't have anything else going on. But I, I yeah. do think that people who do that are just absolute geniuses. <laughs> oh, trust me, we're, we're not. <laughs> no, tried, you know, no. I've tried, I've tried the, um, you know, like the brown noise and the white noise and the blue mm. noise, whatever color noises there are out there. Yeah. And I've tried <laughs> instrumentals that are supposed to be you know in sync with the type of scene i'm writing yeah. and i've tried you know music with lyrics and and i always get distracted i just sit yeah. there and listen to music and i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but I hey if, do, do what works for you do what works for you yep, exactly. Uh, so uh i wanted to touch on some things a little uh kind of specific to you when i was doing doing my research on you that kind of uh caught my eye um one you have uh i love it when authors do this uh you have uh your works in progress like progress bars on your website like showing how far along you are on there right right yeah um I, you know i kind of do that for myself really mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> i know some of my readers really enjoy it because they can go and they can they can click one button and it will tell me that they want me to write faster on that yeah. particular work. Um, but it's a motivator for me to see mm -hmm. those kind of progress bars going up. Um, out of out of curiosity for someone who has an author website that would uh, really enjoy having that. How did, uh, how did you make that? Was it just like a widget or? It's a plugin. It's a plugin called um, my book progress. I okay. Think. Uh, let me look here and make sure. I'm, yeah, it's my book progress. Yeah. They have a whole bunch of different layouts. It's super easy to use. Um, I have a WordPress site and it's just a WordPress plugin. Yeah. You have a free version. I actually paid for their um, upgrades so that I could have the little circles. Yeah. But you have all kinds of you know ones that you can get for free. So that's nice. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I, I like that. Good to know. Good to know. Um, you may be seeing that popping up on my website too. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, I love seeing them on other authors' websites. Yeah. It's no, you're you're just the first author I've ever gotten to talk to that has that. You know, and I'm not yeah. I'm not gonna email Brandon Sanderson to be like, hey, hey bro, how do you uh how do you get that on your website? You know, I feel like he's he's a little he's a little big leagues for me. <laughs> Oh, you never so, know. You know, he's actually not a bad guy. He could yeah. No, oh, he's, he's great. I, he's, I, I love him. He's definitely one of my, one of my author heroes. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which uh, let's, let's touch on that. So uh, John Hartness is another uh, author hero of mine. And he uh, I've heard him say many times that no matter how quickly he writes, he cannot keep up with how fast people read. And so oh, yeah. there's plenty of love to go around. Authors should be supporting other authors. So two-part question. One, who is your author hero? And two, who is an author that we should be checking out that we probably aren't? Oh, gosh. Um, I have, since I have four different genres, I have multiple author heroes. But I That's quite all right. That's quite all right. You can, you, you can lay multiple on us. 
<laughs> I think one overarching one um, is Pippa Grant. She writes uh, contemporary romance, but it's funny. It is so funny. She makes me laugh every time I read one of her books. And I think that's something that I really aspire to is having yeah. that kind of humor. Um, I love Kimbra Swain's books. And I think she really forged the way for some of us that are writing urban fantasy. I, and I actually just uh, met her yesterday. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, she's yeah, great. She's a great lady. Yeah, um, she was at a she was at a book festival in in Montgomery, and I, I stopped by her booth and we chatted for a bit. She yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, she's amazing. She's a really nice lady. She's so willing to share and help mm-hmm. uh, other authors. So I I really appreciate her. Um, and she's probably the one. I mean, I think most people know of her, but I think she's probably the one that most more people should read. Yeah. Um, and I really can't think of any. Oh, and she and she's got a great series set in Alabama. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Um, and she, she uh, slight spoiler, she agreed to come on the podcast. We just got to schedule a time. So awesome. we get we getting to hear from her on here uh, sometime. We'll we'll see when. But uh, but yeah, no, she she's fantastic, and she's uh, I before I met her in person, I talked to her online a few times, and yeah, she's very supportive and excellent to 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 talk to yeah yeah she really is um but i you know my mind is blanking now but i can't think of oh well i mean that that's a great recommendation uh because yes everyone should be reading her she's got uh a bunch of different not not a bunch she has several different series and uh i read the most of them i think are all interconnected with her um fairy tales of a trailer park queen yeah yeah which uh, yeah, which is, that's what I've been reading on is I, I just read uh, Bless Your Heart, the first book oh. in, in her series. So yeah, yeah. yeah good stuff. Yeah. So um, so as a guy who has two uh, arguably fairly useless degrees, um, uh, I saw that you, you started out in marine biology and I then and switched to English. And I, I love the ocean. I don't get in it. Um, because it terrifies me. Uh, uh, and so uh, I just wanted have you have you worked in any of your 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 love of brain biology into any of your series in any way? I haven't. Um, but you know, the marine biology was a um, it was a dream for a while. I always thought that I would be doing something with animals. Yeah. Uh, at first, I wanted to be a vet, and then I realized that you would have to do some things for clients that I don't necessarily agree with. Yeah. So I, I explained that idea. Um, my sister actually became a vet. I'm very proud. Um, yeah. But, you know, then I was like, well, you know, we'll go into the marine biology because back when SeaWorld was a good thing. Yeah. I was young. I went and visited and I just fell in love with the, you know, with the fish and the, all of that. So I haven't really worked that in anywhere. I probably should. Well, but- I, I'll say, I see a lot of, I, 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 I spend a lot of time on like the fantasy subreddit and uh-huh. uh, I, I kind of keep my eye on what people request a lot. Not cause I'm like, I'm, I'm planning to write it, but like there are certain things like, uh, ben Meeks, good friend of mine, he writes uh, a series about a were otter. And so, whenever I see pe- every so often, see people be like, "Hey, I want shifter fantasy, but not werewolves. What you got?" Yeah. And, 
so I can quickly be like, hey, wear otter, check it out, Ben Meeks. And I've been noticing a lot of people here lately have been um, requesting, I guess, like nautical kind of fantasy, be it, uh, you know, mermaids specifically, or just things to do with, with, with the ocean. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. And um, I know that mermaids are kind of coming back in, yeah. uh, in the romance world. They're getting big again. I have a friend named Lauren Connolly who writes a series um, with uh, sirens and um, selkies and yeah. you know, all kinds of things near um, a water in northeast uh, Georgia. Okay. You know, it's it is definitely very popular. Um, yeah. One thing I can say is that, generally speaking, there will always be some sort of animal in my books. I so noticed that. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed that. I, like the the blurb on your site uh, involved like a, a kind of space cat of sort. Yes. Yes, so yes. Uh, and, I'm, you know, I'm here for it end up stealing the show all the time you know people are like oh i want to know more about torvid or i want to know more about bog or you know let me read yeah. more about animals that have just sprung forth from my imagination so yeah it's fun love it. i love including them you know as an integral part of the story yeah so uh i have to say i i've been subscribed to your newsletter for a while and uh <laughs> You have the most delightfully eclectic newsletter of anyone <laughs> that I subscribe to. Uh, I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> it is. It's very much meant to be a compliment. Uh, that so many like it. Look, newsletters are hard. Uh, if yeah. you're if you're wanting to be a writer, spoiler, you should already be building your email list. It doesn't matter that the book's not out. The time to start your email list was five years ago. Yeah, exactly. you know. Exactly. And so, and putting out a newsletter is your, can be your best, most consistent form of advertising. And there's a real art to it. And uh, some people really, really do a good job with it. Uh, John Hartness, I feel he's someone like, go subscribe to his. He does a pretty good job. Uh, and But yours, it, like, that's the thing is like, sometimes I, I start to tune authors newsletters out because it it's very samey. It's very, yeah. it, it gets boring, you know. Yeah. Um, There's a couple that I've had to unsubscribe from. Yeah. I keep well, my eye on other people in the same genres, but, you know, some of them, you know, bless their hearts, they're just not, they're not short form writers. <laughs> right. And so that, and that's the thing is like, it would honestly, it'd be better if you don't have something to say that month, maybe you don't send out the newsletter, you know, because yeah. it's, it's better to not send a newsletter, I feel, than to send one that bores the majority of your, of your, of your followers. But yours, <laughs> I have to say, yours is never boring. Um, oh, I'm so happy that you enjoy it. Um, yeah, I do. Uh, I do. I, I pretty much always have something to say. You know, I'm, my household is extremely chaotic. I have um, not only my husband, but I have two sons. So I have two boys um, running around, and then I've got two cats and a dog. So. There's always something happening. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 So, so, <laughs> yeah. So I, I highly recommend uh, go by uh, your site, sign up to the newsletter. And, and on that note, let's talk about that. Where can we find you? Where can we find your books? Give us your, you know, your web address, your socials, that kind of thing. Okay. Well, 
My web address is just kenziekelly.com, K-E-N-Z-I-E-K-E-L-L-Y.com. Um, and you can pretty much find all my links there. I am Amazon exclusive. So all of my books are in Kindle Unlimited for people who subscribe to that. And most of my social media is under the handle X Libris Kinsey, E-X-L-I-B-R-I-S-K-E-N-Z-I-E. So you can find me there too. Um, I'm not real active on social media. Um, I'm dipping my toe into TikTok, but I don't know anything about it. And quite frankly, yeah. I'm old and cranky and, and <laughs> I really want to learn something new. <laughs> oh, I, I, feel, I feel that deep in my soul. Um, there, there, there are some people out there that are getting great traction on TikTok, and, uh, I'm just not one of them, (laughs) you know, and, uh, I, I don't have the energy I have between Twitter, multiple Instagrams, you know, Facebook, Reddit, all that. I, I I don't have time for TikTok. You know, it seems like such a time waster, but yeah. I've always heard pick three, pick three things that you want to do really well as far as your marketing efforts and focus on those. And yeah. you know, if it's, if it's not one of your top three, I mean, you can dabble, but just don't spend a lot of time on it because that's yeah. not where you should go. Well, and it's, it's definitely, uh, this is advice I have gotten and have given for years now is if it is better to just not have a social media, like a Facebook say, than to have one that you are not using. Um, Because people will see, hey, this Facebook hasn't been updated in a year and a half. I guess they're not doing this anymore. Right, right. And that goes doubly for blogs on your website. That's a little pet peeve of mine. If you can't keep up with a blog on your website, I mean, like once a month, you know, then just don't have it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it, it, I fully acknowledge it's hard. Um, but there, there are some workarounds. Like for me, what saves me is, uh, Instagram and Facebook being so integrated. Uh, I'm a, I'm an active Instagrammer. Um, uh, all my projects have Instagrams basically, but the fact that I can just post on Instagram and it automatically upload to Facebook, you know, I'm basically doing two for the price of one. So people are seeing, Oh, hey, he is alive, um, yeah. but it's not taking extra time out of my day, you know? Yeah, so. yeah, exactly, exactly. And pretty much, you know, any social media handler thing, like I have Publer, but there's oh. you know, a whole bunch of other ones that will post multiple places at once for yeah. you. Um, yes. Oh, it is. So a uh, final question, since you were from Alabama, there's really yeah. only one relevant question, and that is uh, Alabama or Auburn? Alabama. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Okay, good. I was I would have hated to have to delete this uh, interview. So I know. What's funny is, you know, being over here in Georgia the last year has been real rough. <laughs> oh, I bet. Um, I, 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 uh, I happen to be in a bachelor party. Uh, back the last time Alabama and Georgia faced off in the SEC championship uh-huh. um, where uh, uh, oh God, we're just going to go in the weeds for all you. If, if you don't like sports, just go ahead and end the episode <laughs> here. Um, but we were the only Alabama fans in Ooh. a sports bar in Atlanta. Oh, no. um, and uh, it got, it got a little heated 
Um, there was, there was a, uh, delightful young lady who, if her Uber had not shown up, I think she was going to have beaten me in the street. Like she was not having it. Um, (laughs) the, the waiter, the waiter came to us like, Hey, look, just so you know, this door over here is unlocked. If you need to dip, you know, y'all can just go, (laughs) go out this door. Um, uh, y'all, if you're not from the Southeast, I don't think you realize how serious people take, uh, take this <laughs> um, it is a religion in and of itself and it is you know, if you're going to visit here or you're going to be here for any length of time just go ahead and and make your choice before you get here you know you yeah. choose, choose somebody in the sec and let's all pray yeah. that tennessee because those are going to be hated by everybody yeah um, no if you see me wearing a turban tennessee is playing al-qaeda next week so <laughs> um like yeah don't don't pick tennessee well mm-hmm. just any, anyone but tennessee um i i will i will pull for all you know i bleed crimson but i'll pull for auburn all day long you know as long as they're not playing alabama but tennessee can just you know if a meteor hit the stadium i don't think anyone will shed a tear so and that's just a little taste of what it's like down here sec it is and, you know, and I have some friends that are like, oh, you know, they always make the comment like, oh, sports ball. Yeah. You know, I don't care. It's like, okay, cool. You're, you're real cool. Love it. But uh, the rest of us really care. So yeah. keep your comments to yourself. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, well, all right. Uh, this has been awesome. Uh, uh, I've loved having you on the, the intention is, uh, that we will be doing follow-up episodes probably sometime next year. There won't be full-length episodes, but maybe like a, a short little 15-minute. Just kind of check in, see where you're at, see you know what books have come out in the intervening time, because we, we definitely want to keep people fresh on, on folks' minds. Oh, so I, I have so enjoyed talking with you this morning, and um, yeah, I would love to come back on anytime. Perfect. You Perfect. All right. Well, we will make it happen. So, all right, guys, uh, till next time, uh, y'all be good now. Thank you for taking the time to check out another exciting episode of Southern Fried Fantasy. If you would, you know the drill. Give us a like, subscribe, follow, all that jazz. We'll appreciate you. Until next time, y'all. is part of the Tales by Bob network. To see all our great shows, go to talesbybob.com.